Hello everybody and welcome back to reading and evaluating the Dead Sea Scrolls. We are finally, finally at the Apocryphal Works segment, the final section in all of the collections of the Dead Sea Scrolls, where the weirdest of the weird stuff is. Now, for a large part of this, I want you to take it with a grain of salt. Qumran already had their own developed uh, theology, if you can call it that. It was an evil theology. It was absolutely heretical in every sense of the word. But they liked to collect a lot of these little bits and pieces of apocryphal and weirdo mythopoeic works here like the Book of Jubilees, like the Book of the Giants, like the Joseph Apocryphon, things like that, probably to comb around it and find out whether or not they can support their theology with it. Now, some of this might be from the Qumran community themselves. They may have been the authors of it. In fact, there's a chance, given the calendrical segment of the book of Enoch that these people are the ones that actually wrote the book of Enoch. Especially since we've already seen they didn't have a problem monkeying with scripture, they didn't have a problem making stuff up and claiming it was scripture, they didn't have any qualms with that. But nonetheless, a lot of this stuff is pretty fragmentary, so it's hard to justify the thought of them really seeing this collection of apocrypha as their own foundational bedrock for doctrine, so to speak. But we will see. So let's jump right into their fragments of the Book of Jubilees. Uh, Jubilees is typically seen as just a Midrashic commentary on Genesis and Exodus with some goofy narratives about angels talking to Moses thrown in to spice it up. But let's see if maybe, just maybe, Qumran may have been involved with this. From the first fragment, and do not go after idols and after dot 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 and do not eat any blood of a wild or domestic animal or a bird which flies dot dot dot. And if you sacrifice a peace offering as a burnt offering, sacrifice it for God's pleasure and sprinkle their blood on the altar and all the flesh of the burnt offering you will offer on the altar together with the flour mixed with oil of its meat offering dot dot dot. You will offer all on the altar as a fire offering, a pleasant odor before God. And the dot 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 of peace offerings you will offer on the fire which is on the altar, and the fat which is on dot dot dot, and the fat which is on the entrails, and the kidneys, and the fat which is on them uh, dot dot dot, and the lobes of the liver with the kidneys you shall remove, and you shall offer dot 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 with its offering and its libation. And on that day and on the morrow dot dot dot. That's the first fragment. Now obviously Jubilees is a commentary, a midrashic addition to Genesis and Exodus. One would wonder if it's an attempt at answering the question on how exactly Abraham knew God's law. The scriptures do say that Abraham knew God's law, which is several hundred years before Moses was even born, before the Sinai covenant had been given. Some people may or may not have wanted to see, well, hmm, maybe God did a uh, private revelation to make sure Abraham knew how to do proper sacrifices, you know, the Mosaic way. 
instead of seeing Abraham as somebody who knew God's law in terms of the moral commandments that he gives in the Ten Commandments. But let's read on, see if maybe there's a little bit more to it. Next fragment. That soul will be cut off, dot, dot, dot. He dwelt in Haran for 20 years, not 17, as in Jubilees 12. There's a little bit of a textual difference here between Qumran and the Ethiopic text. And Abraham said to God, Behold, I am naked, childless, and it is Eliezer, the son of my household, who will inherit from me the cot. And the Lord said to Abraham, Lift up your eyes and gaze at the stars and see and count the sand that is on the seashore and the dust of the earth as to whether they can be counted. And Abraham believed in God, and this was reckoned for him as righteousness. And a son was born afterwards to Abraham, and he called his name Isaac. And the prince, Mastema, came to God and accused Abraham on account of Isaac. And God said to Abraham, Take your son Isaac, your only son whom you love, and offer him to me as a burnt offering on one of the dot 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 mountains, which I will tell you. And he rose, and he went from the wells to Mount Moriah. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, there was a fire. And he placed the wood on Isaac his son, and they went together. And Isaac said to Abraham his father, Behold, there is the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said to Isaac his son, God will provide a lamb for himself. Isaac said to his father, Tie me well. The holy angels standing and weeping over the altar, dot, 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 his sons from the earth. And the angels of Mastema were rejoicing and saying, Now he, Isaac, will be destroyed. We shall see whether he will be found weak and whether Abraham will be found unfaithful to God. And he, God, called Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Now I know that it was a lie that he, Abraham, will no longer be loving. And the Lord God blessed Isaac all the days of his life, and he begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Levi in the third generation. And all the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Levi were dot 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 years. And the prince Mastema was bound, and the holy angels dot dot dot. The prince Mastema and Belial listened to dot dot dot. Okay, so we have some revealing here. Obviously, a lot of midrashes were intended to kind of answer some questions with some just so stories. Hey, why would God tell Abraham to go ahead and sacrifice his only son, Isaac? Well, let's say that maybe there's this uh, kind of demon prince, Mastema. He's going to go ahead and bring out an accusation against Abraham. Yeah, that's it. Let's accuse Abraham of the same stuff that we accused Job of, only loving God because God is blessing Abraham, not loving God for who God is. So God says, fine, I'm going to uh, call your bluff. I'm going to tell Abraham to give up the one thing that he loves the most. Ah, see, that explains why God would test Abraham this way. It wasn't out of something that we can't understand. We don't have to read Kierkegaard's uh, Fear and Trembling. We don't have to really think about this stuff or do the hard work. We're just saying it's Job retold in a certain fashion. <laughs> That's it. Meanwhile, Qumran grabs hold of this and may have authored this because we see the prince Mastema and Belial, or Belial, listened to dot, dot, dot. Ooh, they see that word Belial and they think, aha, this is the number one bad guy. 
the princes of Belial. Oh man, we've talked about Belial so much, we really need to glom onto this. But before we talk any more on that, let's go ahead and read the last two fragments. Abraham was found faithful to God and dot 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 for pleasure. And the Lord blessed Isaac all the days of his life, and he begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Levi in the third generation. And all the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Levi were dot 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 years, and the holy angels dot 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 fast here. Notice that this is the second time that Levi has been brought up. We cannot forget that for Qumran, the purity of the priesthood, particularly the Zadokite priesthood, was of utmost importance. And this makes it to where it's a possibility that Jubilees, at least the fragments of it we see here, were authored by the Qumran community. The quote-unquote teacher of righteousness was likely some sort of rebel priest, as we've discussed earlier. Last fragment. Enoch, after they slash we taught him, dot, 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 six jubilees of years, dot, 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 earth towards the children of men. And he testified against all of them, dot, 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 and against the watchers. And he wrote all the dot, 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 heaven and the ways of its host in the months, dot, 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 that the righteous may not stray. And of course, they have to bring up some of the Enochian themes in there which as we keep reading here in the apocryphal literature, we'll see why they include some of this literature just a little bit. But on the notion of Belial, real quick, Mastama is some sort of demonic prince that brings an accusation against Abraham. It's a just-so story to try to explain the binding of Isaac. But Belial is treated as the devil figure in the Dead Sea Scrolls. He's the bad guy that's rebelling against God, that's trying to do an evil, demonic uh, conquest of the world, and he controls just about everybody that isn't in the Qumran community already. They see themselves in isolation, and Belial is that figure that kind of rules over them. If, according to the doctrine of predestination, they are not predestined to glory or predestined to salvation, predestined to uh, the covenant, so to speak, of Qumran, then they're given an evil spirit at their conception or their birth in which God says, all right, I'm going to go ahead and hand you to Belial, let him run your life. So, of course, anything that mentions that demonic name, Belial, is going to be something that the Qumran community is going to glom onto. So, the verdict. Did they write the Book of Jubilees? I'm giving it a 30% chance that they had anything to do with its composition. Chances are they probably just saw some things they liked, tacked on some words about Levi, and left it at that, keeping it in their collection. Now, let's go ahead and move on to the next apocryphal work, entitled The Prayer of Enosh and Enoch. Now, those two names aren't exactly indicated by the text of this fragmentary stuff here, that that's exactly who is recording these prayers. But it can be seen from some context clues. Let's just go ahead and jump right in. Fragment 1. All their festivals in their ages, dot, 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 of thy marvels, for from of old times thou hast ordered for them his judgment until the age of determined judgment through all everlasting commandments. Vikat. Kenan was from the fourth generation, and Mahalalel, his son, was the fifth generation, and Jared, his son, and Jared, his son, was sixth generation, and Enoch, his son, Enoch, was seventh generation, dot, dot, dot. 
okay, already we're seeing some calendar silliness here. We're seeing some precise dating and ages here, festivals, and of course, an idea of judgment that is predetermined from everlasting commandments. Qumran probably wrote this. We continue, Thou hast imparted thy name as his inheritance to make thy name dwell there, dot, dot, dot. She, Jerusalem, was the glory of the territory of thy land, and on her, thou, dot, 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 thine eyes on her, and thy glory shall be seen therefore, dot, 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 to his seed for their generations and everlasting possession and all, dot, dot, dot. Uh, by the way, the dot, dot, dot just indicates fragmentary text. I can't tell if anybody's listening where it's their first time listening. Uh, dot, dot, dot just means, hey, we don't know exactly what was here due to the age and the blight on the original scroll. But continuing on, thy good judgments thou hast purified him for, dot, 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 in everlasting life, and thou hast established him for thee as a firstborn son, dot, 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 like his as a prince and ruler for all the territory of thy land, dot, 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 the crown of the heavens and the glory of the clouds thou hast set on him, dot, 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 and the angel of thy peace in his congregation, and dot, 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 given him righteous rules like a father to his son, thy soul clings to his love, dot, 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 for through them thou hast established thy glory, Dot, dot, dot. This is all incomprehensible nonsense, unfortunately, due to the fragmentary nature of the text. But if we do take a critical eye at some of the nonsense that we're looking at here, we see things like, Thou hast imparted thy name as his inheritance to make thy name dwell there. She, Jerusalem, <laughs> the implication here that Jerusalem being some location that Enosh or Enoch would have been able to notice, that they would have said, oh, this is a special place before it's even called Jerusalem. Ah, yes, let's call that good because it's going to be important to the Qumran community. Thy good judgments thou hast purified him for. So purifying somebody for a predetermined judgment does fit into the deterministic, semi-Calvinistic doctrine that Qumran embraced. So we have an idea here that this really is kind of a product of the community that it was found in. Now, the next couple of pages here are dedicated to the Book of Enoch which is present in the Dead Sea Scrolls in an Aramaic form. That's why it's considered a little special that it was found at Qumran, because the only complete scrolls of Enoch that we have are in, well, Ethiopic text. Meanwhile, if you have an Aramaic scroll of Enoch, well, the temptation is to believe that this is the older, original type of manuscript here. This is Whoever first wrote Enoch probably wrote it in Aramaic, therefore this is an important discovery. We're going to go ahead and skip this because I already read the entirety of the English translation of Enoch earlier in the reading and evaluating the Dead Sea Scrolls series. I know, first time here that I've ever skipped anything <laughs> reading the Dead Sea Scrolls here, but just bear with me. There's a lot of Enoch in there already. We've read the entirety of the book of First Enoch. We don't really have to go any further. But I will say, 
that the longest portion of the fragments that is translatable, that is legible, is on the calendar section, the quote-unquote astronomical book of Enoch, uh, you know, with stuff like, and it, the moon, shines in the remainder of this night with three-seventh parts, and it grows during this day to four-sevenths and a half, and then it sets and enters its gate and is covered for the remainder of this day to two-sevenths and a half. And in the night of the 24th, it is covered four-sevenths and a half, and four-sevenths and a half are cut off from its light, and so on and so forth. If you listened to that upload here on the SoundCloud, you're already familiar with how long that takes. And, of course, the longest fragment of the Book of Enoch we have is dedicated to that because it establishes the calendar that the Qumran community preferred to have and, in fact, believed was something of a precursor to any sort of fellowship, any sort of participation in their covenant you had to hold to their uh, lunisolar calendar. What else would you expect? They really wanted everything to conform to their way of going about it. It presents a little bit of a chicken and egg situation, which came first, the Qumran calendar or the Enochian calendar influencing Qumran I'll say there's about a 50-50 chance here that the Qumran community just monkeyed with the text of First Enoch to suit their own purposes. But now we move on to the very short but extremely important Book of Giants. It is not in the Ethiopic version of Enoch, but it was around for various other cults in the early years of the church, including the Manichaeans. So let's just go ahead and read what this uh, fragmentary text says. Dot, 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 about the death of our soul. And all of his colleagues entered, and Ohiah explained to them what Gilgamesh had told him. And Hobabis roared, and judgment was pronounced on him. And the guilty cursed the princes. But the giants rejoiced over him, and he was cursed again and accepted it. Then two of them dreamed dreams, and the sleep of their eyes fled from them, dot, dot, dot. And they rose and opened their eyes, and they went to Semihaza their father. Then he told the story in the congregation of their colleagues, the Nephilim, dot, dot, dot. I saw a wonder in my dream that night. Behold, a big garden was planted with all kinds of trees. There were gardeners, and they were watering every tree in that garden, dot, dot, dot. Many roots grew out of their stock, and out of one tree grew three shoots. I was looking until tongues of fire came down from heaven. I was looking until the dot 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 was covered with all the water, and the fire devoured all the trees of the whole orchard. But it did not devour the tree and its shoots on the land when it was destroyed. Dot dot dot. Here is the end of the dream. And the giants were unable to explain the dream, and he said dot dot dot. You will give this dream to Enoch, the interpreter scribe, that he might interpret to us the dream, Vakat. Then Ohiah, his brother, answered and said before the giants, I too saw a wonder in my dream this night. Behold, the ruler of heaven descended to earth, and thrones were set, and the great holy one sat. Hundreds and hundreds were ministering to him. Thousands and thousands stood before him, and behold, Books were opened, and judgment was pronounced, and the judgment dot 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 was written, and a signature was signed. And the Great One reigns over all the living and flesh and over all those who rule. Here is the end of the dream, Vakat. 
And behold, all the giants were terrified and called Mahawai, and he came to the congregation of the Nephilim, and the giants sent him to Enoch, and said to him, Go to him, dot, dot, dot. Previously you listened to his voice, and say to him that he should explain to you the interpretation of the dreams, and that all should rest with those who hunger strongly after it. Dot, dot, dot. It's fragmentary after that, but we have a secondary fragment here added to it. I showed myself mighty, and by the power of my strong arm and by the vigor of my might, I rose against all flesh and made war on them. But I, dot, 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 not, dot, 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 find, dot, 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 to strengthen me for my adversaries. The angels of heaven dwell in heaven, and they abide in the holy places, and I will not, dot, 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 for they are more powerful than I. Vakat of wild beasts came, and the country people cried, dot, 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 and Ohiyah spoke to him thus. My dream has depressed me, and the sleep of my eyes fled from me, for looking at the vision, behold, I know that I cannot sleep and cannot hasten for them. Dot, dot, dot. Then Gilgamesh said, Your dream, and it cuts off from there. Now, why is this important? First off, it does tell us that the author of the Book of the Giants was not only familiar with the Nephilim narrative, he was also very, very familiar with the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Sumerian heroic legend of old. So we've all heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh, and people have wondered whether or not, did, 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 did the author of Genesis copy off of the Epic of Gilgamesh for the flood narrative? And the answer is no, the Bible is correct and Gilgamesh is wrong. After all, if the uh, Exodus happened in 1446 BC, as is the correct dating of the Exodus, then Moses was well aware of the Noahic flood far before the Epic of Gilgamesh was written, which is at earliest 1275 BC, I've heard. So, Really, you don't have some sort of cross-pollination early when both of these documents were written. If anything, Gilgamesh steals from Genesis. Qumran believed in multiple gods. They were henotheists who believed that the god of the Bible, you know, Elohim, whatever word you want to use, uh, Jehovah or Yahweh, whatever name they gave to God... They wanted to say that he was the top dog with a whole bunch of other little gods running around. We recently saw just last week that they believed Melchizedek was a god. And they honestly thought it was like super cool and stuff that they were going to be able to do their final battles and stuff with Melchizedek. So of course they're going to include the Book of the Giants here because the Book of the Giants ties uh, Israelite apocryphal literature, i.e. the book of Enoch, with Sumerian pagan literature, like Gilgamesh. If they didn't write it, they glommed on to this, uh, this attempt here at some sort of syncretistic religion by saying, ah, yes, uh, Apsu and Ea and Enkidu, uh, these are all just lesser figures to the figures in the Holy Scriptures, and all the Sumerian gods are just lesser gods that at some point we're going to cooperate with and make idols for, but totally we're still going to be obeying the law of Moses. So no wonder they had this in their collection. Now bear in mind the Bible does not 
permit this sort of syncretistic worldview, but Qumran didn't care, not one whit. It's also interesting to note, by the way, that Enoch is present there as some sort of interpreter of dreams for anybody who would approach him, probably including the giants or whatever, because they really want to tie in both of these pseudepigraphal uh, entries into mythic folklore, so to speak. Now let's go ahead and move on here to an admonition associated with the flood. It's part of the Midrashic tradition regarding Noah here. It's a rewritten account of him. And he crowned the mountains with produce and poured food on them, and he satisfied every soul with good fruit. Whoever does my will, let him eat and be satisfied, says the Lord, and let them bless my holy name. But behold, they have done what is wicked in my eyes, said the Lord. They rebelled against God through their actions, and the Lord judged them according to all their ways, and according to the thoughts of the inclination of their evil hearts. And he thundered at them in his power, and all the foundations of the earth trembled, and the waters burst forth from the abysses. All the windows of heaven opened, and all the abysses overflowed with mighty waters, and the windows of heaven emptied out rain, and he destroyed them by the flood. Dot, dot, dot. Therefore everything perished on the dry land, and men, beasts, birds, and winged creatures died, and the giants did not escape. Dot, dot, dot. And God made a sign, dot, 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 and set his bow in the cloud that he might remember the covenant that there might no more be on earth waters of flood, dot, 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 and that the mass of waters might not be let loose, dot, dot, dot. Their wickedness, when they know how to distinguish between good and evil, dot, 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 for behold, they sprout forth like grass, but a shadow are their days on the earth, and now pray, hearken to me, my people, heed me, O you simple, for from everlasting to everlasting he will have mercy, dot, 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 the might of the Lord. Remember the miracles which he did in Egypt and his marvels in the land of Ham. Let your heart shake because of fear of him, and your soul will rejoice according to his good graces, dot, dot. Dot. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and guess that Qumran wrote this one, uh, probably as something of a sermon. It's not really an apocryphal work. Maybe it's midrashic in terms of rewording something so the laity can understand it more easily, but the author just jumps right into a sermon. He just jumps right into an exhortation here, telling people, oh, yeah, remember what God did for you. Remember what God did, good, good job, because uh, you did good stuff with the Exodus and everything, so so let's not forget that. Yeah, it's not really an apocryphal work. It's more of a sermon transcript or something from Qumran. That's what I'm going to guess anyway. Now we have a couple more for today's recording. Remember, there's about another 90 pages of this stuff. But we're going to go ahead and move on to the ages of the creation. It's pretty short. It just says, Interpretation concerning the ages made by God. All the ages for the accomplishments of all the events, past and future. Before ever he created them, he determined the works of dot, 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 age by age. And it was engraved on heavenly tablets, dot, 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 the ages of their domination. This is the order of the creation of man from Noah to Abraham until he begot Isaac, ten weeks of years. 
and the interpretation concerns Azazel and the angels who came to the daughters of men, and they bore to them giants, and concerning Azazel, dot, 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 and iniquity, and to cause them all to inherit wickedness, judgments, and judgment of the congregation. Now, this is incredibly important. I need you to hear this, because every single time we read Qumran attempting biblical interpretation, every single time we heard them try to exegete a passage, they said, oh, well, this is the interpretation, and this is what it concerns. When it starts with interpretation concerning something, here, interpretation concerning the ages made by God, this is a product of Qumran. This is Qumranic language, their preferred diction here. And when they say, well, Azazel and the angels who came to the daughters of men and they bore to them giants, that tells us that whether or not they produced anything in the book of Enoch, the Qumran community understood the book of Enoch to be something like scripture. They are doing interpretive works concerning it. It's short. It's fragmentary. We don't have much of what they were going to say about it, but we now understand that they were treating Enoch as though it was scripture. That is very, very important. They probably glommed onto it as scripture because of the uh, calendric document here, the astronomic aspect where we're saying, oh yeah, 364-day calendar, man, that's what we got to switch to. They probably saw that and went, well, that's what we want anyway. So we're going to just jump on that and we're going to say everything in the book of Enoch is inspired. So take that, everybody that believes in the Bible out there in Jerusalem. And if they're going to go ahead and accept the book of Enoch, they're going to go ahead and accept the book of Noah, which is included as a fragmentary book towards the end of the book of First Enoch, at least in the Ethiopian Orthodox tradition here. So if we look at the book of Noah, their fragments in Qumran, they are worded a little bit differently here. So let's go ahead and just read these short fragments here. To his father, and when Lamech, Noah's father, saw the dot, 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 the child made the rooms of the house shine like the rays of the sun to frighten the dot, dot, dot. Next fragment. For the glory of your splendor, dot, 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 for the glory of God, dot, 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 will be lifted in glorious majesty, will be glorified amidst the sons of heaven, and, that's the first two fragments, we move on to the third fragment here, of his hand, his two knees, and on his head, on his hair, a birthmark of reddish color, and the shape of a lentil will be on his face, and small birthmarks on his thigh. And after two years, he will know how to distinguish one thing from another in his heart. In his youth, he will be like dot, 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 like a man who knows nothing until the time when he knows the three books. And then he will acquire prudence and learn understanding, dot, 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 wise seers come to him to his knees. And with his father and his ancestors, dot, 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 of brothers will hurt him. Counsel and prudence will be with him, and he will know the secrets of man. His wisdom will reach all the peoples, and he will know the secrets of all the living. And all their designs against him will come to nothing, and his rule over all the living will be great. His designs will succeed, for he is the elect of God. His birth and the breath of his spirit, dot, 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 and his designs shall be forever. Next fragment. Blessed be every man who teaches his sons the doctrine of wisdom, for he will not die in the days of wickedness. 
Woe to you, O fool, for your mouth will deceive you by dot 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 incurring the death penalty. Who will write these words of mine in a book that will not decay and keep this word of mine in a scroll which it will not fade away? Behold, dot dot dot, and the pleasure of the wicked will cease forever. Okay, so we have a picture of an elect man leading people in the correct way, so to speak, having uh, contests and conflicts with his brother, who ends up being vindicated. Wow, that sounds a lot like the quote-unquote teacher of righteousness talking about himself just a little here. Maybe he saw himself in this book of Noah, or maybe he wrote himself into it in the personage of Noah. I give it another 50-50 chance that this is a product of Qumran here. Now, finally for this recording, we have the words of the archangel Michael, another apocryphal work purporting to be written by an angel. Yet more super awesome divine revelation that helps us understand the Bible, man. Let's see what it's talking about. Only one fragment, unfortunately. It seems like there could have been more. Words of the book which Michael addressed to the angels. Dot, dot, dot. He said, I found there divisions of fire. Dot, dot, dot. And I saw there nine mountains, two to the east and two to the west and two to the north and two to the south. I saw there the angel Gabriel. Dot, dot, dot. Like a vision. And then I showed him the vision, and he said to me, dot, 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 In the books of my master, the Lord of the world, it is written, Behold, dot, 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 between the sons of Ham and the sons of Shem. And behold, my master, the Lord of the world, dot, 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 when they, dot, 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 the tear from, dot, 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 and behold, a city was built to the name of my master, the Lord of the world, and there everything that is evil will be done before my master, the Lord of the world, dot, dot, dot. And my master, the Lord of the world, will remember his creation, dot, dot, dot. And my master, the Lord of the world, will be merciful to him and to him, dot, dot, dot. The man will be in the Faraway province, dot, dot, dot. He, and he will say to him, behold this, dot, dot, dot. For me, silver and gold, dot, 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 and he will say, dot, 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 and the righteous man, the end. What does this mean to us in any way, shape, or form? Nothing. But what does it mean to Qumran? Well, Qumran here hates the sons of Ham. They hate the sons of Japheth, too. But here they're talking about Michael looking around and going, wow, I never saw mountains before. I never saw this stuff. Here's my vision, because I'm an angel that for some reason needs a vision. And and I'm going to see this, and I see Gabriel, my compatriot, and the angelic forces saying, hey, dude, look at this terrible city. It's probably Babylon, the symbol of evil. But it's bad, and this is going to be righteous people. Sorry, guys. Uh, at this point, I feel nothing but contempt for a lot of the subject matter, or at least the community that produced it. And I'm seeing a lot of excuses here. Qumran collects things that, well, bolster their theology, their wicked heretical teachings. So, of course, they're going to see something that says, aha, this is one of those sources of evil that lets us look down on all the Gentiles whom we wish to kill one day. Of course, they're going to preserve this, if not be the ones that wrote it in the first place. 
But we will get into the Testament of Levi next week and get into more of this uh, apocryphal works. It's going to be interesting. Remember, it's not that they necessarily wrote all of these, although I'm sure they played their part in the writing and composition, adding stuff as they saw fit. Remember, they added to the Bible. Why wouldn't they add to apocryphal works like Enoch or like the Book of the Giants? They have no qualms with that. They're willing to just make stuff up, add it to whatever text, and say it's inspired. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. But nonetheless, we do have to keep in mind that there were other semi-cultic groups out there that really wanted these Apocrypha to be considered Scripture. They were more than happy to jump on these opportunities for their own ends. It just so happens that they're sharing some of these ends with Qumran. So it's a little bit of an incestuous relationship. I'm just going to, from now on, assume that... Maybe they wrote it, maybe they didn't. Either way, they agree with it and are willing to modify it for their own nefarious ends. And we will see more of that next week, and I can't wait to show it to you. Amen and amen.